Well, welcome. Good to see each one of you. God's good, isn't he? Just kind of return to that over and over again. Yeah, talk a little bit more about comparison today, and this message is entitled Second to None. And I want you to know each one of you are second to none in God's view, in God's eyes. Two sons, two problems, and two responses. Two sons, two parents, both sons suffered, both responded differently. The parents gave birth to the first son, becoming the firstborn of all mankind. There was excitement, there was exclamations. Later, a second son was born. At the birth of the second son, there was no evidence of exclamations of celebration as there were with the firstborn. You can go ahead and put that first slide up. All the attention seemed to remain with the firstborn. The second son seems to have been born in silence. As the two grew, the first became a horticulturalist, and the second went into animal husbandry. The first son followed in his father's footsteps and joined the family business, so to speak, as his father mentored him. Did the second son suffer having no mentor and having to learn to make his own way? Probably. Did the second son suffer watching the favoritism in a patriarchal society where the parents demonstrated favoritism toward the first son? Probably. Less favor, less inheritance, less guidance, less family status, more risk, more danger from the elements and from wild animals, and more loneliness. And there was something admirable that was found in this second son. Rather than allowing himself the luxury of self-pity, the second son let his pain and his suffering drive him to develop himself, to develop his knowledge and his skills, and most of all, to develop his faith. Being aware of his plight and his ignorance, the second son humbled himself and began to thirst for knowledge. And he began to develop new skills. And he had a hunger for new opportunities. The second son learned to protect his animals, probably with rocks and slings like we see later in David. He probably learned through trial and error to breed the best with the best and get the attributes in the new offspring that he wanted and he began to build great herds. And through the exercise of initiative, the second son began to grow in emotional strength. Some people call it grit. And grit, if you don't know, is an acronym for guts, reliance, integrity, and tenacity. Because suffering has a way of doing that to us. 
He also grew in intelligence as he learned every week, every month, and year after year what was working and what wasn't working. He also grew in physical strength. Being out in the elements, there was nothing posh about his job. And most importantly, the second son grew in faith. And he learned to worship. Knowing that the life that he saw in these animals had, had to come from somewhere. From someone who was the life giver. The first son chose differently. He does not seem to learn to think on his own. He does not seem to develop his knowledge, his skills, or give much attention to his inner life of worship at all. When the first son sees the bro his brother's strength of spirit and his knowledge and his wisdom and his fortitude, and he sees his emotional strength and a new emotion kind of wells up in this first son and there's little faith and there's little love to counter it. It's an emotion that spawns from thoughts of envy and hate and jealousy. And just like the idea that affects some of us, others know that his brother is strong and his brother is good. His brother's a strong and a good man and it bothers the older brother and inflames his rage the older brother didn't understand sacrifice the younger brother was well well acquainted with sacrifice and making sacrifice in fact sacrifice was a way of life for him the younger brother had learned that sacrifice was the ticket to a better future. He learned that if he would sacrifice his time and pleasure today and gain knowledge and practice skills and give honor to the Creator, that on the other side of that sacrifice, hopefully, no guarantee, but hopefully, there would be strength, there would be reward, and there would be peace. The second son was learning from his experiences that there's always pain and always suffering waiting right around every corner, every bend in the road. But he learned that he can lessen the effect of that suffering in the future in great measure through preparation and sacrifice today. And although he learned that suffering is unavoidable, that we learn too that we if we would rather enjoy a better future, then we have to make sacrifices in the present. In other words, sacrifice today can make a better tomorrow. It's the possibility of tragedy and the possibility and the potential for suffering in the future that motivates us, he learned, to sacrifice in the present so that we can reduce the anxiety, the severity, the uncertainty of the pain that undoubtedly awaits us around the corner. To sacrifice 
for the sake of the greater good is to act with wisdom, the second son learns. But agitated by his own self-comparisons to his brother's wisdom and grace, the first son's jealousy and anger and bitterness rose up within him and overtook him. Why? Because the first son had never learned to sacrifice well. There was no one to blame but himself. If he had done without and sacrificed well for his future and for his faith, then jealousy would have no cause. There would no, be no environment for, his, for jealousy to grow in his heart. Where is resentment when there is sacrifice? There is none. All he had to do was sacrifice well in work and in worship. He doesn't have to play the victim. It's not too late to change. He can be better. He can help others. Others will rally to his side. If he will only accept responsibility for his own thinking and learn to sacrifice. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Jealousy found fertile ground in the heart of the first son and it grew rapidly into rage. Faced with the choice that only he could make. One of life, responsibility and joy or one of complaints, blame, and irresponsibility, the first son finds the second son alone, lures him to a place where they could be alone, with no one watching, strikes down the second son, who is strong and good and innocent, the only strong, good, and innocent brother in his life. And before we gasp at this horrendous deed, remember we all strike out at times in our lives against the second sons in our lives that bring us face to face and confront us with our own lack of sacrifice. It's what should motivate us, but sometimes we react like the first son. So before we condemn the first son, remember that we can all become just like him. Remember, too, where this all began. It began with comparison. Comparison grew to envy. It erupted in murder. It spread alienation into the son's life, into the whole family. The last we see the first son, he is still deeply entrenched in this debilitizing self-pity, saying, my punishment is greater than I can bear. But he never thought what pain he was going to bring family in the process. There was no thought of that. It was only about himself. There was no acceptance of responsibility. Comparison gives rise to suffering. Suffering can drive us to faith and action or give rise to envy and bitterness. 
Suffering can guide us into redemption or give us excuses for our misery. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. What will I think? What will I compare myself to? When I suffer, will I think like the first son? Comparisons, complaints, and constraints. Or will I, when I suffer, will I think like the second son with possibilities and potential and power? The temptation comes to all of us. As near as your next conversation or your next chat with a friend, it's near as your next trip to the store. It's comparisons come to us on social media. It's near as your next login. And whether you come out on top or whether you sink and you come up lacking, there's simply no win in comparisons. That's the bad news. Di's going to pick us up now. <laughs> yeah, there is good news. I think uh, so much of the time we're not even aware of those subconscious thoughts that we have. All of a sudden we're depressed and we don't know why. And it's because we're looking at somebody else and what they have and what we don't have or what we think we don't have. Um, and God doesn't want us to live that way. He really wants us to live full of joy. And I think that there are some things that we can do um, that can help us. And I think that's even possible that we become so aware of our own thinking that we can um, eradicate a lot of this type of just really negativity that's in our lives. Um, it is a cancer. It is a cancer, and it leads to all sorts of other negative emotions and actions many times. Uh, even if it might not get as, as severe as Cain and Abel, it can definitely um, cause us to talk against other people that uh, is sometimes it's just spurred by jealousy. And we can murder them by just speaking evil of them to somebody else and giving, giving a, a bad taste in their mouth about that person. Um, the Bible warns us against that, in fact. So it's something we have to be aware of, and it's not innocent, and it's something we have to really cut out at the root. So how do we become uh, so, what I want to say is we can become so enraptured by God's plan for our lives and the way that he has created us to be unique and individual that we, we can really, I think, rise above it so that it's not such a, a temptation. It's our insecurities, um, our feeling that we don't measure up, that we're not enough, that really drive this, I think. The feeling that um, we're not significant that we're not important, uh, and that we're not valued. So God says the opposite of that in his word, and so that's what we have to believe more than what our culture is telling us, what our past is telling us, the, just the thoughts that we can have in our mind that are just what we consider normal. So I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and we're going to practice, learn how to practice being thankful for who we are. It says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared beforehand for you to do. That's a wonderful scripture. I want to read it to you in the Passion Translation, if you'll just listen. It says, we have become his poetry, 
a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So this is a pretty amazing thing that God knew from eternity past, he had a dream in his heart, and that dream was you. Each one of you individually, God had a dream in his heart before you were conceived, before you were born, before, and it doesn't matter even what the circumstances of your conception were. You might think I was a mistake. No, God had a dream in his heart, and that dream was you. And that dream was from eternity past. And there's nothing that you can do to change that dream that God has for you and what your life will be and what your life can achieve. Uh, because he is the master creator. He thought not only about who you would be, but what kind of awesome things that your life could contain. Those are the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. And he put everything in you that you would need to be able to do those amazing works. So sometimes we think, well, I can't have an amazing life because I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm not educated enough, I'm too young, I'm too old, all these other things. But we're forgetting that God knows everything. <laughs> he knows every mistake that you would make, every sin that you would commit, every shortcoming that you would have, every weakness, every negative thing that would happen to you in your life. He already knew that before anything happened. And he made provision so that you could still fulfill your destiny. Isn't that awesome? And he built each of us to be significant and to be great in his eyes. And we, we have to be careful here because when we think about greatness, in our world, we think about somebody who's, you know, whose name is on TV or, or whatever, you know, somebody that is rich and famous. But that's not necessarily what God sees as great, but he gets to define what is great because he is the creator. He's the most creative genius that there ever has been or ever will be, the most skilled designer. And so I want you to think about this. Sometimes we get our eyes on ourselves and we just de demean ourselves because we don't think we're valuable. But what we need to do is think about how the creator, what his status is, and how he creates. And so I want you to think about a natural analogy, which would be, let's say, Rembrandt, a famous painter. He didn't ever create something that you would sell at a five and dime store. <laughs> Why? Not because the canvas was so great or the painting materials were so great, because the painter was so amazing, right? That's what gives value to the painting because of who made it. And Michelangelo, he didn't create any sculptures that were just, eh, it's okay. He made masterpieces, not because the marble was so wonderful or flawless, but because he was a genius. And it's the same way with us. 
God created us, awesome, outstanding, unique, significant, important, valuable, honorable, because that's what he is. <laughs> and that's what he creates. And you say, yeah, but you don't know how I messed up. It doesn't matter. Remember in this verse, we're created in Christ Jesus. Once we come into Christ Jesus, all of the sin and the mistake and the bad things that have happened to us get absorbed by Jesus Christ. And we're joined to him. And that's what God has wanted from eternity past, that we would be joined to him forever and that he would have all of eternity to bring us into the beautiful per perfection and to fulfill the dream in his heart that he has for us. And as long as we're cooperating with him, he is working that plan. And so everyone should want so much for your individual life to be lived, not in comparison to anybody else, but to be the best you that you can be. And when we compare ourselves to somebody else and we try to be like somebody else, you know what? You'll never be a, as good a, I'll never be as good a Dave as Dave is, right? And he'll never be as good a Diane as I am because that's not how he was created. So for me to be jealous or compare myself to him, like sometimes when he gets done teaching and then preaching, I'm like, wow, that was so awesome. I wish I could do that. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could connect to people like the way he does. And so it's good to admire people, and it's good to, to love how God created them, but never at the expense of demeaning yourself and wishing that you were different. You know what I'm saying? The way that we can be different is we want to grow more into the person that God has created us to be. Do you want to talk about your Play-Doh? Don't you love Play-Doh? I think I used to eat the green stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it is. I used to eat dog food, too. So when God makes us, he has different experiences for all of us and different elements. Uh, different people come into our lives and um, maybe, I'm just going to make some of this stuff up, but maybe Woods you like to go in the woods, so green, green for the woods. Um, and then maybe your dad take you hunting, so woods would be green. That's part, part of your life, you know, that's the, way he's, that's the experience he's given you. I'm not saying all experiences come from God because some of them are really bad, and God's not behind the bad ones, but I'm just talking about the good ones here. Um, and then he used the bad ones. That's the miraculous power of God that he'll use the bad experiences and, and blend those into our lives. And, and there may be some pain. Maybe you burned yourself on the oven. Like when I was a kid, mom told me not to put, touch the oven or, you know, the stove. And like a great kid I was, I put my hand on it and burned the snot out of it. So that was part of my experience. God used that painful experience and began to blend my blend that into my life um, and then maybe another experience came to you uh, what can pink be <laughs> how about having a daughter huh ice cream, ice cream. that would be good <laughs> I should have thought of that how about 
having uh, three daughters and having to go to all those getting to go to all those ballerini things um, and uh, how come you, you you pay what 30 bucks a month for and that was it that was it for <laughs> no I'm just kidding all you dancers uh, this is, I, I admire what you do um, so then God uses other um, blue, you know, maybe there's water in your life. Maybe you like to go skiing or, or, or fishing or something. So you, you, there's an outdoor element in your life. And oh, you, you like the outdoors, so sunshine is a, is a big part of your, your experience and your life. And, um, and then black, what could black be? I had a 1964 black. Ford pickup when I was in high school. I loved that truck. It's actually dad's, but I kind of took it over. Um, so that's my experience, and God's always taking all different kinds of experiences, colors, people into your life, and you become this. You become this blend, and there's nobody like you. There's, nobody has the experiences. Nobody has the gifts that you have. And we should be happy with how God is making us. I don't think it ever gets over. And then we see somebody else with a green head. And we want the green head. Why? Because God already made that person the way that they're supposed to be. is forming them what would you say in that verse, the workmanship? That's his, that's his work with them. And we want that. And so we pull with our jealousy and it doesn't fit. Um, and we lose who we are. We forget who we are. And we try to be somebody else by stealing something from them. And it just doesn't work. So let's keep that where it belongs and just the thing that we can do. We don't have the green head. <laughs> we can honor the green head. We can honor the blend that that person is and tell them how much we appreciate something. I love your orange. I love your blue. Honor the life of other people as God creates and blends yours. And let's be content and happy on the inside that, that God is in control. He's the potter. He's the one that's fashioning. Sometimes we complain so much about how He's made us. I do, I've done that so many years. And finally, I don't know what happened, but I just started thanking God for who He made me to be. And then I, it seems like I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> um, it just seems like when you're more content here, you honor other people a lot better. You know, it's like, man, I, I just don't feel threat. When I was first starting ministry, it's like, man, everybody had a bigger church than me and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't give a rip anymore. I really don't care. 
I don't know how I got there. I just, it is a miracle of God. But I think I just got to where I'm just really happy with what God's done. I'm just so happy and so thankful. And I think when you're, you're full of gratitude, it just shoves all that other unhealthy stuff out of your heart. And it's so much better. Yeah, that's good. Um, a gratitude actually is a sign of a renewed mind when we can be grateful for how God is working in our lives, when we can recognize how he's working in our lives. And the more grateful that you are, the more that you will see things to be grateful for. It's like this wonderful cycle that you get in. All of a sudden, it, it just turns something on where your eyes are opened to be more and more grateful for what God is doing in your life and how he's created you to meet certain needs in the people that are around you. So he's given you certain gifts and he's put you with certain people in a place, in a certain time. This was from eternity past. He knew. He knew what was needed for the situation. And he put you there as a gift to people to bless their lives. So shine with the gifts that God has given you. Don't hold back. Don't feel like, well, I don't do it like so-and-so does it. I don't pray like so-and-so does. I don't share like so-and-so does. I don't, I'm just, I'm just different. Celebrate that. God didn't want a bunch of clones, you know? He wanted all of us to be so different and so unique, but it all comes from him. And I love how when the more that we are connected to Christ, the more that we strengthen that connection with Christ, the more fully alive we become and the more fully into the personality and the gifts that God has given us, we, we grow. And so nobody on earth was as fully alive and as fully a, a human being as Jesus Christ. He was a totally perfect human being, using all of the gifts that God had created him to use perfectly. And so when we are entwined with Christ, it says that we are grafted into him, and we grow in the knowledge of him, we grow in the love and the knowledge of his love, of his presence, like Cindy talked about, just getting in that secret place and experiencing his presence and letting him live his life out of us, wow. We're, we're headed toward our destiny that God has for us. Sometimes we get really caught up in, I just don't know how God could ever use me. Just, just spend time with Jesus. <laughs> Let him just become part of your life in a bigger and bigger way, and you will be amazed at how God uses you. And, and you may not even know it sometimes. Somebody might tell you many, many years later how you affected them. You might not find out till you go to heaven. But I guarantee you, as you, if you live the life God has created you to live, if you are authentically you, if you stop trying to be somebody else or be jealous of other people and you just celebrate what God has made in you, you are on your way to fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. And it's a good destiny. We could never think of a better one than what he has for us. One of the things that helps me is knowing who I am, then I know who I don't have to be. <laughs> you know? It's like you just come into this contentment. Kay Wyma wrote a book a couple years ago called, it, her, she titled it, I'm Happy for You. And then subscript was sorta. <laughs> and 
then subscript two, not really. <laughs> and isn't that the thing that we, that, that, that emotion, isn't that what we deal with? So, you want to talk about Galatians? Yes, let's look at Galatians 6, 3 and 4. And this is some good advice for us. It says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can find satisfaction in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So we can get deceived by allowing ourselves to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but that's when we're thinking like, hey, I'm really something, you know? And we forget about it. It's all by the grace of God that we're anything at all. So we need to just be monitoring our thoughts constantly, I think, about what we're thinking about, and just root out those thoughts that are How do you do it? that are comparing me to somebody else. Well, first you become aware of it. So a prayer to pray is, all right, Holy Spirit, help me to be aware today of when I get into this comparison trap. And then He will bring those thoughts to your mind, and you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go that way, you know, because thoughts come to your head, and you can either accept them and just internalize them, or you can reject them. And we have the mind of Christ so we can just reject those thoughts and say, that's not the way I think. I have the mind of Christ. And God made me wonderfully and fearfully, and I don't have to compare myself to anybody. So you're replacing thoughts with thoughts. Yes. Replacing, Why don't we do that? Yeah. Why don't we stand for a minute? Just, I know you've been sitting a, bit, a little bit, so... like you close your eyes for a second and just think about what this means to you. Don't, don't walk out of here without applying it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And just, we're going to be silent for a minute and then as you reflect over your life and exactly where the Word of God applies to you personally. And then I'm going to read like a bath of Scripture. Um, just to rain it over you and just take it in your ears and think about these passages that are all about worship and watch your heart lose sight of yourself and grab hold of the greatness of God. That's the power that's found in these scriptures that I'm going to read to you. But let's take a moment just to be quiet and you connect with God and ask him what you can do with this. Some of us are here today with experiencing some pain in your life and this sense that the Holy Spirit wants to tell you just speaking directly to your heart that it, it's pain for a season but it won't last forever and that the power of God will be there for you today and tomorrow and all week 
and he'll help you. He'll help you. He'll give you strength. He'll give you courage and he'll give you new thoughts that will empower you to think above the pain. Some of you are frustrated because of that pain and it hasn't left, whether that's physical or emotional or some other type of pain. But God wants you to know that He knows you're in pain and He's here. He hasn't left you. He's right there with you and He will help you. If you'll turn your heart toward Him, He will help you in that pain. He'll turn this around. You'll be surprised on the other side of it what God's done because you're kind of stuck in it right now. You're going to get out. He's going to lead you right out of it. On the other side, you're going to look back and you're like, oh man, I couldn't get out of that. God help me. And he's going to comfort you in it. And in that pain, you're going to learn some things. And he wants you to share what you're learning to other people that are also caught in pain. He's going to use you in a powerful way in people's lives on the other side. So there is purpose to the pain. He didn't bring the pain, but there's purpose to it. He can mold it. He can make it a part of your life to where it's, it, it's, it seemed like a dark spot in your life, but it, the way God turns it around, it's going to be so powerful and so helpful, not only to you, but others. And what the devil meant for harm, God means for good. And he's going to turn it around, so have hope. Have peace in the pain. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord as I read these scriptures and just be in a, in a place of worship to Him. So Paul says, I desire that in every place Everyone should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. If you're angry about something, would you let that go now? If you're in an argument, would you just give up the right to be right? So that there's nothing hindering your heart from touching the heart of God and His heart touching yours. Psalmist said in Psalm 63, So I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Can you do that right now? God, we thank You. Thank You for the things that You've done for us, the help that You've given us, things that we're thinking about. God, You provided for us. You've helped us. You've given us strength. You've sent people to us in our time of need. You've sent us to other people in their time of need. Thank you for helping all of us, God. Can you say thank you for the way you made me? 
Can we do it a little stronger? God, thank you for the way you made me. God, thank you for the way that you've made me. And the good works you have for me. And the good works you have for me. That you prepared for me. From the foundation of the world. Let's come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, I love that. For the Lord is a great God. Lord, you're a great God. You're greater than everything. You're greater than all people. You're greater than all gods. You're greater than everything. You are a great God. And all our small thoughts right now are replaced by big thoughts of how great you are. How great you are. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You may feel forsaken today. God's love is with you forever. And his goodness is with you forever. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for never giving up on us. We have so much to be thankful for right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord for His good and His love endures forever. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. Don't hold anything back. Give Him all your heart. Yeah, but. No, give that up too. Yeah, but I'm thinking about, no, just give that up too. If this were better, no, give that to him too. Don't let anything stop your praise and your worship to him now. You know, no matter what's going on. We've all got a lot of things going on in our lives. Some of it we don't like. But I don't want that stopping us from praising him. Will you worship him? We worship you, God. We honor you. We honor your name. The great name of Jesus. We worship you with all of our hearts. We hold nothing back. You are beautiful, God. You are great, God. King of kings, Lord of lords, we worship you. Honor your name. Would you pray and give an invitation and close us out? Thank you, Lord. God, we worship you and thank you for the way that you have created us. And Lord, we, we pray that you would allow us to have a glimpse of the dream that's in your heart for each one of us yes. and for one another. Thank you, Father. And I ask if anybody's here that has never made a connection with Jesus Christ or needs to come back to him, um, this is your moment to do that. Don't hold back any longer because his plan for you is better than any plan that you could ever come up with on your own. And his ways are so good that he has. He has a dream in his heart for you. And he doesn't want you to miss that dream. So if, that, if that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? We're going to pray together. Just lift up your hand if that's you and you're wanting to connect with Jesus Christ for the first time or, or maybe reconnect with him.
All right, so I'm trusting everybody's connected. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Well, let's just say the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And I like myself <laughs> because he made me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have lunch downstairs. Just give. I got one other thing. I just thought of this. Okay. When we are in unity with each other, we're beautiful together. <laughs> just thought I'd throw it <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you downstairs. <laughs>